Welcome to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. Our greatest hope is to see more and more college students believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Hey, people. Great to see everybody here. If you're listening on the podcast, glad you are with us in spirit, so to speak. If you don't know me, my name's Austin Connor, one of the co-directors here at Veritas. I, too, am an old man like Kyle. I'm almost up to 13 years now doing my job. Uh, I love it. I wouldn't do anything else if I could. Hope you guys uh, are having a good first week, good first semester. Might have already said that. Hey, last semester, uh, last semester, goodness, last week, we kicked off a new sermon series here called Hey Siri. Last fall, we asked you guys to submit some questions that you had, any question, any question you wanted. There were a lot of great ones. We had to boil them down, pick about the best eight or so. And tonight... We're going to discuss one of the questions that I have been asked most over my 12-ish years doing this job. We're going to deal with a question I think is maybe one of the most important questions that any of us could ask tonight. And I'm really excited and in a weird way more than normal, I'm confident that I think God is really going to speak in and through this sermon to you and again to anybody listening to it. And that question tonight is, how do I know when God is speaking to me? How do I know when God is speaking to me and where do I look? So I normally don't do this, but uh, we've been praying all the time. Let me just pray one more time just for our time tonight. So, so real quick, pray with me. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for uh, the, the person, the student, maybe multiple students who asked this question because it's most important. Wherever we are and whatever we believe Would you give us humility tonight to hear from you? Would you give us, uh, I don't know, an an attention and a sharpness to be able to hang with what you're speaking to us? And would you just, I don't know, give us an openness to hear what you are saying to us tonight? And we thank you when we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I said I get this asked this question all the time in lots of different ways. Three kind of different ways I've heard this question asked to me and have discussions over the years. Here's the first one. Does God speak to me? Does he speak to me through random events? A few years ago, a well-known Christian author, he said this in one of his recent books. Jesus speaks to me through hearts. Like literal hearts, heart-shaped stones and rivers where he's fishing, heart-shaped clouds, heart-stained, heart-shaped stains on his jeans, heart-shaped dinner rolls, and my personal favorite, heart-shaped cow patties. He, he's, I'm not kidding, this is a real story. He's walking through this field and he's going through this dry spell spiritually, and, and meaning I guess he didn't see any hearts from Jesus for a while. And so he's asking Jesus, why hadn't he gotten any messages? And at the very moment he's walking through this field, asks Jesus this question, he looks down and he sees a gray dinner-sized plate in the shape of a heart and it's a pile of cow dung. He's, I'm not kidding. That's was the sign from him that God was speaking to him. 
he saw the heart and shape of a cow patty. Is that how God speaks? There's another, another married couple uh, I heard about. They uh, just got married, just uh, were fired up to do full-time vocational ministry, and the world was at their fingertips. They're trying to figure out where are we going. We don't quite know. And so what they did, after a couple months of praying and thinking about it, they put a globe, not a globe, just a map of the world on the wall, and they took a dart. They said a prayer. They closed their eyes through the dart. Wherever it landed, that's where they went. They interpreted that as that's how God was speaking to me. That's how we know where we're going to go. Is that how God speaks? Let's bring it a little bit closer to home here. Uh, a few students that I've talked to over the years. Here's one. Um, the student was trying to decide what to do after college. Did they want to go to the Northeast to do uh, some work, or did they want to go to a country in Africa? They'd been thinking, they'd be praying for a couple weeks, and, and it was the same time uh, they would pray and think, and then finally just still didn't get, really get anything. It was time for class, had a history class. So stop praying, open up the book, and for whatever reason, this day, open it up, and the lesson was on one of these countries in Africa that she was trying to go to. And she said, that's it. That's the sign. I'm going to go to that country and made it. Last one, maybe one of my favorites. Um, one guy found himself liking two different girls. Uh, didn't know uh, which one to date. They were both great, both awesome. And he was just kind of torn up about it. Just, oh, the problems that I have, right? Who to date? And so he's walking around campus, got his head down, kind of thinking. And he goes into Memorial Union and he's just not really paying attention, holds the door. And he looks back and it's one of those girls. And, and what happened was the girl saw him and was kind of just playing a little fun, flirty game, following him, following him, see what he was doing. And she kind of was going to sneak up on him. It's kind of creepy. It's fine. And <laughs> we've all done that. I see some guilty faces. But, but, but he said at that moment, that was it. That's the girl I'm going to date. And he dated her. And that was it. See, other girl, fine, bye. You're nice. Anything, anything like that? ever happen to you? Is that, is that how God speaks to us through random events? Here's another one, another question. Does God speak directly to me, to my conscience, to my inner self, my intuitions, my emotions, maybe even audibly? Is that how God speaks? A few years ago, there was a Christianity Today article uh, posted anonymously. It was by a, a Christian professor at a well-known university. He said this, does God still speak? I grew up hearing testimonies about it, but it never happened to me. I'm a middle-aged professor of theology at a well-known Christian university. I've written award-winning books. My name is on Christianity Today's masthead. For years, I've taught that God still speaks, but I couldn't testify to it personally. A year after hearing God's voice, I still can't talk or even think about my conversation with God without being overcome by emotion. Seems genuine enough, since the credentials seem to be a trustworthy guy. Now, to be sure, that's a pretty extreme example, but, but you get the point, right? He's wondering, and this is a good example of asking the question, does God speak to me personally, internally, through my conscience, through my intuition? Is that what some of you think? My guess is, yeah, in a room this size. Is that how you are looking for God to speak to you? Are you hoping and maybe even expecting God to speak to you through things to help you figure out uh, issues like what job to take, where to live next semester, what major to switch to, which small group to join, where to study abroad, where to serve, who to date? 
put your head down and think and maybe somebody will open a door behind you. Who knows? Anybody in here ever been broken up by the Holy Spirit? Right? Sorry, I want to date you. I really do, but I can't because the Holy Spirit told me that I'm not supposed to. Sorry. If that was you, if you were the victim in that conversation, you were lied to, my friend. I'm sorry. But, but you get it, right? Is that how God speaks? Sorry if that's you. We can talk later. Final, final question. Does God speak through visions or dreams? Had a seminary professor, really interesting story. Uh, he would do a lot of, every summer, would go over to a, a country in the Middle East and would uh, help train pastors and equip pastors in this church, in this Middle Eastern country that was very hostile to Christianity, but it was doing great things. And a common experience that the seminary professor had and professors at this university, or the church would have, is that they would have people come in, Muslims, and say, I just had a vision of the risen Jesus who told me to come to your church. I had a dream that Jesus spoke to me and said, you need to come to this church. That was not a one-time example. That would happen consistently. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe not that explicit, but something like that. You've had a dream, you've had a vision, you've sensed that it's from God? Are you disappointed when it doesn't happen? Are you looking for that to happen? Do you feel kind of a sense of missing something? I'm not as faithful, I'm not as holy if I'm not getting these crazy mystical visions and dreams and experiences. How does God speak to us? How do we know? You see, for most of us, probably all of us, this isn't just some fun, random little thought exercise that, that, that doesn't have any significance. This question matters. This has huge impacts in our lives because it's gonna inform what we believe about the world. It's gonna give us insight into what to base our own beliefs on. It reveals who we let have authority in our lives and who gets to tell us what to do, who calls the shots. And it's gonna determine how we're gonna deal with the difficulties and hardships that are coming. See, for many of you and many of us, these questions aren't just an intellectual exercise, right? No, we're asking this because we need guidance and help and insight because we don't know what job to take, and it's a big decision. Because we don't know who to live with, because it's a big decision. Because we're stressed and we're anxious and we're depressed. You know, maybe your, your Christmas break was a train wreck spiritually, and maybe you are desperately needing to hear from God. Maybe you need to make sense of your life right now because it's crashed or it's crashing. You can see it coming on the rocks of reality. The major's not working out for you. The relationship's not what you thought it was gonna be. Just the college experience, it's all hype and no substance. It's disappointing again and again. You have maybe done things in your past that you never thought you'd do in 100 years. It's like you had an out-of-body experience. You don't know what's going on. How does God speak? How do we know? It isn't just a throwaway question. It's a question that all of us need to answer because it's gonna impact the way that we live our lives. Do you know what I tell students that ask me if this is how God spoke to them or how does God speak? You know, come to me and say, is this real, is this legit? You know what I say? I say, maybe. Maybe. It could have been God. I don't, I don't know. Uh, does God have the ability to speak through random events or, or co our consciences or, or these visions or these dreams? Can he do that? Well, of course he can do that, right? I mean, we're talking about God, okay? This is the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe, created 
everything out of nothing. He can do what he wants, when he wants, and we don't have any say in the matter. But here's the deal. Those aren't the main and the clearest way that God speaks to us. The random events, the intuitions, the consciences, the visions, the dreams. Those aren't the main and the clearest way that God speaks to us. No, the main and the clearest way that God speaks to us is in and through the Bible. Now, I recognize I might have just lost some of you. I might have just lost some of you. Uh, maybe I lost some of you because you've grown up a Christian, right? You've gone to a Christian school. You've always been involved in church, and you know that. You checked the box. When you walked through the door, you heard the question. You knew the answer. Good, right? Let's move on. Maybe you're kind of bored with it by now. Maybe you're like, good, going to check out. Just wait to go to class socials after. Okay, great. I hope not, but maybe that's you. I might have lost some of you because you think the Bible is outdated and irrelevant and maybe even offensive, I might have lost some of you because you think it's silly and it's naive to think that God would reveal who he is and what he's doing in a single book. I mean, think about all the religious books out there. Think about all the wise people, all the different religions. Could, you're saying God is really revealing himself in one book? And more than that, maybe I lost you because you think that's just silly because that's a limit of God's power. Michael Gungor, he's one half of the hosts of the Liturgist podcast. He said this in his recent uh, book, it's called This. He says this, God, as infinity itself, could only be experienced directly within this moment. The world brimmed with glory. The universe became the very word of God. God did not limit himself to a single sacred text or exclusive group of people. He, she, they, it, was the all in all, the infinite ground of love and being. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that God is so big and so grand and so powerful and so other that he's incapable of being defined. He's incapable of being boxed in, incapable of even being described, right? That's why you notice the pronouns, he, she, they, it, and himself in quotes, But what if God chose to reveal himself in one single text? What if God chose to be boxed in? What if he chose to define himself, chose to reveal himself, not because he had to or because he was forced to, but because he wanted to? Did you ever think about that? If God chose those things, well, that changes the conversation then, doesn't it? If God chose to limit himself to one text, to the Bible, we'll call it. If he chose to be boxed in and define himself and make himself known in this way and not that way, well, then we would do pretty well to listen up, wouldn't we? If God did all that, if God really did reveal himself and make himself known, how would he make it known to us? What would it take to convince you and to convince me that the main and the clearest way that he speaks is through the Bible? What would God have to do to show us? New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter three. Paul is writing here to a group of Christians. He says, in reading this then, this letter, you're gonna be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. There's an acknowledgement of a mystery there which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. 
See, Paul admits that Jesus is a mystery to be sure, one that has not been fully revealed in the past, but has now been revealed. Hebrews chapter one, verse one, right out of the gate, the author is writing to a group of Christians here. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, which is just another way of saying now, in this time period, in this era, which we ourselves today in 2020 find ourselves in, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of, the, of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Notice that tense in verse two, God has spoken to us by his son, Jesus. In other words, Jesus is the exact representation of God. He's already said something. He's already spoken. His words have been made known. They're out there for public consumption. See, but God's words through Jesus, it wasn't just a one-time speech 2,000 years ago. It wasn't just the three years of his earthly ministry and then he's done, right? No, God is still speaking today thanks to the Holy Spirit. We get some insight in this in the New Testament Gospel of John. It's one of of Jesus' closest disciples. And in the passage we're going to read, Jesus is speaking to all the apostles about what's going to happen to him after he's crucified and risen, right? He's been saying this all along, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise and I'm going to go away. The disciples are going, what are you talking about? He's giving them kind of an insight into what these next days are going to be like. Here we go. John 16, verse 7. Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away, that I, Jesus, am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. The advocate is another way to say the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. So what's the Spirit going to do when he's sent? Well, verse 13, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, but catch this, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So let me summarize that last statement. What that is saying is the Holy Spirit is listening to Jesus. Jesus is speaking and the Holy Spirit hears Jesus. And what does the Holy Spirit do with those words that he's speaking? Back in verse 13, he will tell you what is yet to come. Who's he gonna tell? Well, in the context of that verse, it's the apostles. So the apostles have the words of Jesus They've lived it for three years, but they've got the words, the experiences in their minds being brought to their minds through the Holy Spirit years after Jesus is gone. And what do the apostles do with these words that they heard from the Holy Spirit? Well, guess what? They wrote them down. John, the apostle, wrote another New Testament book called 1 John in chapter 1, right out of the gate. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at with our hands and have touched. This is earthy stuff. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life. You see, this wasn't just something they heard third-hand, fourth-hand, like a funny game of telephone. The apostles, they saw Jesus. They heard Jesus. They experienced his life. 
And it's not just John, but it's all the apostles. Notice in verse one, it says, which we have heard. They're the eyewitnesses of everything in Jesus' life. And they're not keeping it to themselves. They're not hiding it. They're not locking it away. They are proclaiming it to any and everyone who will listen. Let's take another book, the New Testament book of 2 Peter. This is the Apostle Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, was restored. This is the second letter that he wrote, 2 Peter 1, verse 19. We also have the prophetic message. It's just another way of saying the teachings of Jesus as something completely reliable, unlike those events, unlike your and my intuition, unlike the dreams and visions, sometimes reliable, but not always. This message is completely reliable and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, understand that no prophecy of scripture, capital S by the way, Scripture, capital S, came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So much there. I'm going to highlight two things. In verse 21, that phrase, the prophecy never had its origins in the human will. That means that the words that we have in the Bible, they're not just a product of one person's own human imagination, right? The biblical authors, they didn't have an early church conference and sit down and go, all right, guys, here we go. Jesus is gone, but that's all right. We're gonna keep this thing going. What should we write about? What should we talk about? Any takers? Let's get them up on the whiteboard here. No, it wasn't just a horizontal conversation. There's the vertical aspect here. The second point is they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, verse 21. The theologians refer to this process as inspiration. That is, the authors were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And because they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, anything and everything they write down is true, is reliable, and is authoritative for the lives of those who want to follow Jesus. Now, to say that Peter was inspired by the Holy Spirit doesn't mean he took a nap and he woke up and he's like, what the heck is going on here? Whoa, hey, that sounds pretty good. Cool, thanks, God. No, 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 rather God, through the Holy Spirit, he used Peter's intellect, he used his mind, he used his thoughts, he used emotions, his his desires to produce that letter, and by extension, every other letter in the book of the Bible that we have. That's what it means to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, to be sure, right, cards on the table, this takes faith to believe, It takes faith to believe, but no more faith that God is speaking to you and me in a cow patty. Or that God is speaking to you and me because the girl that we were like, uh, I held the door for her. Any of these options take faith. The question is, where do we want to put our faith? If we take all of this together, all of the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the apostles, we've got a chain with four links in it, right? We have the words of Jesus, who shares them with the Holy Spirit, who shared them with the disciples, who wrote them down for us today, which is what we have in the Bible. And because this process was carried along by the Holy Spirit, the Bible is true and reliable and authoritative in everything that it speaks about. Quick side note, and and, and I realized, uh, hang with me just for a a couple seconds. Uh, Why did some books of the Bible get in and not others? If you know, there were lots of different writings around. Uh, Very quickly, the criteria for books making it into the New Testament is that they had to be written by someone who had either seen and experienced the life of Jesus So uh, that's where you have the Apostle Peter, the Apostle John. Or they had to have seen Jesus in a miraculous way. That's why the Apostle Paul is one of the apostles. He saw him on the Damascus Road, right? Or 
uh, if you had a firsthand account of an apostle. So for example, the gospel of Mark. Mark wasn't one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, but Mark is recording the thoughts and the experiences and the stories from Peter, who was. Same thing with Luke. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. He was a traveling companion of the apostle Paul. Any other writings were not to be regarded to be the word of God. If you have more questions on that, come up and chat with me later. We've got maybe a couple of resources back there if you have uh, more questions on that. But back to the main point. God's main and clearest way of speaking to us today is in and through his word. Now, but, but wait a minute, Austin. Are you saying that the random events and the visions and the dreams and the, and the in, intuition and just the sense that God is speaking to me, are you saying that's wrong? Are you saying that I should just totally abandon that? And are you saying that if I have to believe that God's main and clearest way of speaking to me is in and through the Bible, do I have to stop doing all those things? I would say not necessarily. You've heard of the parable of Hansel and Gretel, right? If you think about it, it's kind of a creepy parable. Uh, don't read that at night. Freak you out. Uh, you know, Hansel and Gretel, they're walking through the forest and they stumble upon this witch's gingerbread house. I don't know why has a witch has a gingerbread house, whatever. But they decide, you know, it's too late in the day to really explore it. So they go home and they get the genius idea. Look, from our house, we're gonna do a trail of breadcrumbs through the forest so that we'll know how to get back home. We can explore the house. It's all gonna be good. Well, spoiler alert, the birds eat the bread. The witch kidnaps them. It's creepy. Surely it's a horror movie somewhere. But here's the point. That trail of breadcrumbs the trail of breadcrumbs, the purpose was to lead them back to their house. Each crumb, if you think about it, was an important piece of the trail that led where? Well, it led to home. It led to a place of safety, a place of reliability, something better than the forest, something better than a crumb. God might, he might, he might speak through random circumstances and visions and dreams and through our inner thoughts and emotions. I think I've had times like that in my life to be sure, but those are just breadcrumbs. They're just breadcrumbs. If God uses those things, and I think he can and I think he does, they're meant to lead us to a better and a safer and a more secure and trustworthy place. They're meant to lead us to the Bible the main and the clearest way that God is speaking us to us today. You see, he wants us to come to him. So author A.W. Tozer, he, I think he said it best. He said, God waits to be wanted. God waits to be wanted. You see, God is speaking every single day of our lives to you and to me and to the entire world in and through his Bible. He wants us to come to him. He's inviting us. He's drawing us in. The question is, will we listen? Have you missed it? Are you living on breadcrumbs? Are we really sure that that's what we want to rely on? Do we really want to rely on our circumstances, on visions, on dreams, on intuition? How can we be even sure that those are reliable? Let's think about it like this. Here's a, here's a thought exercise to make you stop for a second. Think of your eighth grade self. Oh man, eighth grade self. I had acne, I had braces. I won't show a picture to make uh, some people offended. Uh, what did you love in the eighth grade? Yeah, you know, what'd you love? What were you so confident of? You just knew this is how life was. How did you think the world worked in eighth grade? How would things go for you and me today if we relied on our eighth grade self to give us meaning and purpose and make sense of the world today? I don't think it would go very well. I thought it was totally normal to eat an entire pack of 30 like Totino's pizza rolls uh, back then. Apparently it's not. 
although I'm still not convinced that it's not. I might, I might do that sometime. If that's true of us back then, what are we going to say about ourselves now in 10 years? What are we going to look back on about our lives right now and go, oh, God, bless me. I didn't know that I was going to wear that. Oh, remember that Instagram thing? That was so cute. Yeah, credit cards. Oh, now we just have the thing in our hands where we swipe and pay. You know, whatever it is, that's coming out with Amazon, by the way. The end is near. Um, here's the point. Our inner world is not always reliable, right? We know this. I love how Tim Keller put it in, I think he put it best in his book, Making Sense of God. He said, when we look into our hearts to find our deepest desires, we find that while they're very real experientially, and they are real, they're oftentimes contradictory, contradictory, elusive, and changing. I remember the story of the Muslims who showed up at that church, had the vision of Jesus. You know what the pastor did? He sat down with them, grabbed a cup of coffee, heard from them, heard their story, listened to what they experienced, empathized with them, and said, gosh, man, that sounds legit. And then you know what he did? He slid a Bible to them across the table. He said, that's great. That's a great breadcrumb. It's time to come home. It's time to start reading your Bible consistently and faithfully. Why? Well, because this is the main and the clearest way that God speaks. And so if we want to hear from God the way that he intends for us to, we've got to read it consistently and especially faithfully in the right way. In a couple weeks, you might be asking, how do we do that? In a couple weeks, we're going to devote an entire sermon to that. So if you have questions, that's great. Hit the pause button for a second. But for now, if you've never read the Bible or you want to get back into it, you don't know how, how about for the next week or two, just start in a gospel It's kind of two-thirds of the way through your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are kind of biographies of the life of Jesus. Read a chapter a day, read some verses for one day, and just ask a simple question. What am I learning about Jesus? What am I learning about God? Start there. More to do for sure, but start there. And we've actually got some Bibles. that We'll have them at the welcome table in the back. If you want one, come take it. It's yours. Do you know what's going to happen? if and when we start reading the Bible consistently and faithfully so much, we've only got time for two. The first thing that's going to happen is we're going to be challenged. We're going to be challenged. Hebrews 4, verse 12. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Bible is different than any other book in the entire world because it is alive and active thanks to the Holy Spirit working in and through it. The Bible is the means also that that God uses to challenge us, to shape us, to form us. And notice at the end of that verse, it says it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Another way you could say that it discerns the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And so, so come down into the weeds with me for a second. What's this look like on the ground floor? Well, what this means is that I have to take my random experiences, my intuitions that are very real experientially, but we got to hold them with an open hand. I got to take my visions. I got to take my dreams and I have to submit them under the authority of the word. I have to compare them to see what is the Bible telling me about this particular instance? Does the Bible say that that's a good thing or a bad thing? Or maybe it's kind of who knows gray area. That's what it looks like. We have to take those. We have to validate them, say they're real, and yet submit them to the Bible. 
recently heard about a guy here in Veritas who, he, he, the way he described it, he was always passionate about doing the right thing, always trying to be better, always working harder. But over time, he started reading the Bible consistently and faithfully, and he started to realize that some of the things that he defined as good, turns out the Bible said they weren't good. And so what he started doing is, over time, as, as Jesus was working in and through the word, he started to loosen his grip a little bit on his own intuitions and thoughts and instincts about what was good. And he started to, to hold on to and to cling to and to strive for what the Bible said was the good life, what the Bible said was worth striving for. And by God's grace, he loosened his grip on that and there was real progress made and he was being challenged and is being challenged more and more. This is what that process looks like. Being challenged is difficult. It's hard. It's no fun. And so we got to ask ourselves, what's the benefit? Why keep going? Well, here's what's going to happen. If we consistently and faithfully read the Bible, we're going to be satisfied. Gospel of Luke tells a story about two sisters. Maybe you've heard it, Mary and Martha, one of my favorite stories in the gospel. Uh, Let's pick up the story in uh, chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named named Martha opened her home to him. So she had a sister, Mary. So somehow Martha meets Jesus and Martha in her hospitality invites Jesus into their home. And this is a big to-do. It takes a couple weeks to get the food ready. Uh, Maybe the whole village comes out. It's a whole big deal. Let's see what happens. She had a sister called Mary who during this party, during this feast, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or only indeed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what's better and it will not be taken away from her. Where's Mary? What choice did she make? Well, she chose to sit and to listen. There was an active passivity about her choice. And what does Jesus say about this choice? It was better. Notice he doesn't say better than preparing, better than something. No, it's just better. I love that because Jesus is better. Better than what? Better than everything. Put something up against Jesus. Does not compare. Jesus is better. You see, you and I, we don't have the person of Jesus right now with us. We can't literally sit directly at his feet, but you know what we do have? We do have the words of Jesus thanks to the work of the Holy Spirit. And we have the opportunity to listen to his words continually. And the words that we have from Jesus are more sure and more true and more reliable and more powerful and more satisfying than any crumb we could get from an experience, from a vision, from a dream, from an intuition. The last question you've got to ask yourself is, do you want that? Do you want to hear from God? I have to ask myself that question. Will you and I, will we follow that trail home to the clearer, to the truer, to the more reliable, more satisfying place where God is speaking? Or are we going to be content with crumbs in the middle of a forest, not quite sure where to go next? You see, if you believe the Bible is in fact the main and clearest way that God is speaking to us, if you've already checked that box, you know that. Are we living that out? Are you acting like it? How often do you actually read your Bible? Is it the exception or the norm? 
have you read the entire Bible? Because the entire Bible is God's word, not just the New Testament, not just the Gospels, all the weird books in between. The whole thing is, have you read it? Jesus himself says the entire thing is one big story that's about him. If that whole thing's about him and gives our lives meaning and purpose, why would we not read it? As the music team uh, comes up, one last uh, story from Bob in his book, Everybody Always, tells the story of his friend Lex. Lex started losing his eyesight at age six. By age eight, he had 10 unsuccessful eye surgeries and eventually lost, totally lost his eyesight. But that didn't stop Lex. He was a go-getter, was an active guy, and in high school and then his freshman year of college, started running track. You're probably asking yourself, how does a guy without any eyesight run track? Well, he had a friend. And he did this at his track tryout in college and he did it all throughout college. He had a friend. And what this friend would do is he would run in front of Lex and call Lex's name. And you know what Lex did? He just followed the voice. He just followed the voice. After trying out for a few events, his first year in college, he decided it was time to, to specialize in one event and he specialized in the long jump. It's crazy, right? He got so good at this event that he went to the Paralympic team and he actually medaled. How do do you do the long jump without any sight? Well, here's what you do. He had that same friend. And that friend would square his shoulders up with the track. And that friend would go to the edge of the sand pit. And he would start yelling, fly, 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 over and over. And thanks to his friend guiding his shoulders, he would just start sprinting. And the closer he got, he knew when he was going to have to jump. And he would jump. Why am I telling you this story? Well, in many ways, you and I, were Lex. We're without sight. We can't see when and where and how God is talking to us. So much of our lives feel like we're walking around in a dark forest, unsure where to go. So much of our lives are filled with maybe all sorts of voices just shouting, shouting, come this way, no, come this way, you know, you come this way. And we can't see and it's confusing and we get lost and we get confused and we get frustrated and we get hurt and we get broken. And yet God has not left us alone. He's left us a friend who's committed to us, who squares our shoulders, runs before us, says our name over and over and over. Not primarily through the random events in our lives, not primarily through the dreams or visions or intuition or conscience. No, Jesus is speaking to you and to me clearly every day in and through his word. Are you listening? If you're not, how come? What do you have to lose by giving it a shot? God is speaking to us in and through his word. So together, let's follow his voice. Let me pray. Oh God, I don't want to take for granted what we have in the Bible. We have the very words of Jesus, the one who came into the world to redeem it. You started it with a good world. We broke it, but you came in to fix it. You 
died and rose and are king and are restoring this world and are calling for more followers to follow you, to play a part in what you are doing. How could we say no to that story? How could we turn a blind ear and a blind eye? Please forgive me. Forgive us for the ways that we do that. Would you stir our hearts? Give us a desire. Move us away from crumbs. Let us follow those crumbs home to where you're speaking to us in the word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. Most importantly, to get connected to Veritas, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening.